everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. We're on season two, episode two. Um, this, this podcast might be a little more somber, um, but we're going to try to also make it um, educational, interesting, and a little more lighthearted. But um, we're speaking about fire safety in families, um, particularly families on the autism spectrum and, and managing um, fire safety. And um, we are doing this uh, almost a year ago, September 26 was the passing of Feta and Mu, a family, um, a mom and a young man on the autism spectrum who tragically passed away in a fire. Um, I have spent the last year working with um, some, some members creating a website and um, informational um, facts and tools for families and kids with autism. But Jen and I really wanted to take it a step further. And so we're doing this podcast about fire safety and autism. Um, we have a special guest. I will say that as always, we're trying to make it also an educational learning experience. So we will be identifying some um, ABA terms off the BCBA task list for those BCBAs listening for CEUs. And um, we're specifically gonna talk about the role of ABA providers in helping families be safe for fires. And um, one thing that comes to mind for myself is if I'm looking at the task list, when we are conducting a preliminary assessment of the client in order to identify the referral problem, I personally feel safety should always be a part of that, particularly for our population. So with that being said, Jen, my trusty companion is with me and she's gonna introduce our special guest we have today for this topic. Hi, Jen. Hi there. Hi, everybody. Um, yes, obviously this is a really important topic for us and um, I knew the family as well. So it's definitely a personal thing as well because it was just so shocking um, and scary. So it's so important for us to talk about this. and. When we were thinking about who we would want to have on, I couldn't think of anybody better than my friend, John. Um, John is such an amazing person. He's an amazing firefighter. He is an amazing father, um, husband. Usher John. <laughs> <laughs> friend. Um, I met John actually several years ago. Um, and it's kind of wild because he um, actually reached out to me and we had both had booths at a Special Olympics event, even though I was just a volunteer at that point with them, but I was working with Autism Speaks and John was a lifesaver to me and we became super good friends. Um, he um, brought entire crew and continues to do so year to year to set up um, the biggest walk in actually the nation and organization for Autism Speaks at the Rose Bowl that has attendance of about 55,000 people. And if it wasn't for John and his crew, um, they literally like single-handedly like set up the entire walk for me and broke it down and not only did we get to spend a lot of time with that but we spent several events together including some fun ones and a lot of um, autism awareness nights with um just all over the place and then he continues to help me 
um, now that I'm at Special Olympics. And um, I got to say, he's my go-to and my hookup with Smokey the Bear. <laughs> um, that, um, I that how say, you get Smokey the Bear to the event? I, it's this guy, right, this guy right here. And, you know, I got to say, it's kind of interesting because we've had a lot of um, different, you know, characters. Um at a bunch of different events, but when the when our athletes or anybody sees Smokey the Bear, they literally come like charging across like fields and stuff, like to give Smokey a hug. But I really mean it, John. You're such an amazing person, and I know that you um, you have your personal connections, and that you will completely both professionally and personally understand why this topic's so important to us. So thank you, John, and welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Honored to be here. John, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself for our audience? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so uh, 20 plus years in wildland fire. Uh, I'm a fire prevention patrol captain um, here locally in Los Angeles on the Angeles National Forest. Um, over 20 years uh, doing that. And uh, more recently in the past 10 years, 12 years, um, my primary focus has been on fire prevention and education, uh, which, uh, which goes, goes to Jen mentioning Smokey Bear and, um, and my taking him around the community and educating folks on fire prevention. Um, I am married with four sons. Uh, one of my sons is on the spectrum and uh, he's doing fabulous. Just, uh, just went into the seventh grade uh, at our local high school. Um, so that's, a, uh, that's, a, that's been a great transition for him uh, going from the elementary school to the high school. He's, he's loving the independence. That's awesome. So we want to pick your brain. Um, I know that I'm part of a committee that created a, a website for families um, with information of sort of like, you know, the main steps to do, um, which would include having a working fire alarm, right? <laughs> um, having a fire working fire extinguisher, having an exit plan, but you're the expert. If you were talking to a group of, of families now, what... What happens is, in my perspective, it's totally my opinion. Um, oh, and I have to give a code word, and the first code word is Smokey the Bear. <laughs> code words. Um, is that getting out of the house, particularly for more severely impacted kids and adults on the autism spectrum, is a challenge in itself. And then I also know a whole number, whole host of families who don't practice because the fire alarm sound is so aversive and to the kids, so they don't want to create challenges. And so if you were talking to a group of families with children on the autism spectrum, what would you tell them about how to, you know, what do they do? How, what, what should they be prepared for? How should they have their house ready? Um, I, I would say that uh, I would communicate that preparation is is the key um uh, like any like any situation um practicing and preparing uh for a fire or any emergency um it doesn't it's not just limited to fire but especially here in southern california earthquakes and that yeah. sort 
um, to prepare and practice for that event is key. Um, to allow uh, to allow an individual on the spectrum to not only not only go through the practicing and preparing, but to participate in in the preparation and um, and involve them in the preparation uh, is key. Um, there are quite a few things, uh, quite a few things that you can consider. Um, to you mentioned the the smoke alarms, which is a big one, and um, in my field of wildland fire, um, that that goes hand in hand with the sirens that we have on our trucks. Um, oh, good point. The the smoke alarms. Um, it's not just the sound necessarily, because when I'm when I think about it, I don't just think of it as an event that's taking place or could take place in the home. Um, it could also happen at school. It could also happen in uh, uh, a retail store. It could happen um, anywhere. And all these places, they have their smoke alarms and those smoke alarms don't just uh, have the audible um, stressor that's taking place. A lot of them have uh, the strobe lights as well. Mm -hmm. And um, that visual uh, can be very uh, distracting and uncomfortable uh, for, for folks. Um, so the preparation uh, and planning is key. And with that, I would, I would say having either earmuffs, earplugs, um, headphones with uh, favorite music, um, that sort of thing, uh, ready to go in the event of a, an emergency. Um, that a person, uh, that an autistic individual is able to put on and at least um, drown out that loud noise um, and then become creative with the visual aspect of it, of any strobe lights and, and fire engine lights and that sort. Um, because when the, when the moment takes place, it's gonna be extremely chaotic for everybody involved. Um, but especially autistic folks, um, there are extra sensory aspects that we have to consider. And, uh, and so preparing and planning for those, those moments is best. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I hear families say, um, that's the last thing they can think of. Right. And in my mind, I know Jen, for you, that's like the number one thing you think of, you always think of Dylan's safety first. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I've, when I've gone around and talked about this topic, parents say to me, you know, I'm so frazzled. That's the last thing I'm going to do. And when the fire alarm goes off, it's so upsetting to my child. Anyway, I don't want to create with the, I don't want to create a problem, but I mean, Jen talk on that. Cause I know you practice with Dylan. How often? Yeah. Well, I am fortunate. Dylan doesn't have auditory issues. He actually <laughs> kind of likes it. Um, and he loves sirens and stuff. So, I mean, uh, I gotta admit, there's. Been I can picture him doing his happy cooking, and the you know, <laughs> he kind of looks at me like that's annoying. Do something about that. So that's not really an issue. Um, my fear, like we have a plan. I try to, you know, I, I try to practice with him. My fear for my particular situation, first of all, is that we have a two-story house. Exactly what and, I was going to say. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that Dylan is a big dude, and that's why he's big D. 
and he is a when he actually sleeps <laughs> he's um a very deep sleeper and my concern is um like being able to wake him up but not just wake him up like you know actually if I have to physically like you know like get him down the stairs and i We've talked about it, Kelly, and maybe John, you have suggestions, but I even have game plans of, um, you know, with his window, like the garage is right under, um, you know, we have an extra mattress in case we had to jump out. I have um, the stair thing under his bed that, you know, we could put over. And then um, the idea of um, like a heavy blanket, if I had to, and put him on it and try to drag him down the stairs. Like those are the things that I am fearful about is like, I don't think he would, you know, he's pretty smart on the big things. Like, you know, he understands like, I think, you know, safety and like, if something's scary, like I tell him like, Hey, you know, if we got to do something, I think he, I think he would, you know, comply with that. But I'm just worried, like, what if he's like totally asleep or something, or, you know, something happens that I have to physically do something. So do you have any suggestions on that, John, or does that sound like a okay plan? <laughs> it does. It, it really does. Um, uh, it's individualized, um, just like our IEPs. Um, mm -hmm. Every every family, every situation is going to be individualized. Um, I, I think you've planned. It sounds like you planned it out pretty well, and you've um, you have actually a handful of contingencies to to deal with. Um, I don't have anything specific. Um, I think that if he is familiar, if he is familiar with it, and you have smoke alarms placed around the house that give you um, an earlier heads up to give you that additional time that you might need to to um, to get him in a in a situation where he's comfortable moving out of the house um, I think that that would pay dividends so that's come up a lot John um, and I I talk about gen strategies quite a bit um, a lot of families that I know that have second floor bedrooms, and um, I'm certainly not trying to capitalize on this family story, but this I, I've spent quite a bit of time with the sisters, and they have shared that he couldn't go down the stairs. He wouldn't go, um, and he's a big guy, and they didn't have a plan to get out the window, and the thought was, would he have even done it? And I always, Jen and I have always laughed. We always said, like, we'll take whatever it takes, push Dylan out that window because he's going to land on the mattress, right? Um, but that might not be an answer either um, for second family, second story family bedroom. Mm -hmm. Any other content? And, and I'm going to add our second word, code word is going to be individualized, just like as BCBAs, when we're doing intervention plans, this is all part of the individualization is working with the family where they're at to get their child safe. So sorry, John, like any other thoughts around that second floor? Um, nothing, nothing that hasn't been mentioned already. Um, keywords or, or um, interest interest goals. Um, maybe, uh, maybe there's a key phrase or a key interest that can be used to prompt him to get down the stairs faster, uh, out to the front yard faster. Um, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to encourage any 
white lies or misleadings or anything like that. Yeah. But if it's an emergency, it's an emergency. And, and, uh, I, if it was, if it was my son, uh, I'm, I'm going to do just about anything I need to do to get him to a safe area and then, yeah. you know, mitigate any confusion after that. But, um, no, uh, it, it is going to be individualized as we all, as we're all familiar with, um, no, no two situations are the same. Yeah. And, um, you know, also, uh, I wanted to mention this before they do have, there are smoke alarms that are talking smoke alarms mm -hmm. and not the, uh, yeah. siren smoking mm -hmm. alarm, sm smoke alarms. Um, so that some people might benefit from that. We did add that. We, we made a list of resources and we added that as a potential. Nice. I've had some, um, there was some research that suggested um, folks with development disabilities responded a little better than that. But I've also had some families say they didn't want to do that mm -hmm. um, and they weren't as effective. And I think, I think the individualization is so key, like you say, because whenever we do talk about different strategies, I often hear families say that wouldn't work for my child. And so trying to have to figure out what works for their child. What do you think about, um, um, I might, I, oh, if I could, oh. if I could just jump in, um, I just, uh, thought of something, mm -hmm. um, additional is, and, and we're all guilty of it, um, at some point or another, but when there is an emergency and an incident is taking place, um, again, it's chaotic. And we all tend to, in our own ways, uh, panic to some degree. Um, it, if we can minimize that and be as conscious as we can of that, um, when we're waking them up, when they're, when we're notifying them and alerting them that we need to initiate this evacuation or get out of the house, if we can be conscious enough to do that as uh, calmly, rationally as concise as we can, uh, using the least amount of words, uh, feeding the least amount of information to them, um, at any given time to, to, to keep the, uh, to keep the input, the information load as, as minimal as possible. That, that would, that would help them process, um, what needs to take place. Uh, I think, I think a little better again, it's individualized, but food for thought. I think that's so smart because hmm. in general with Dylan, he really feeds off, um, you know, my reactions and my emotions. And um, I just actually with, you know, also the anniversary of 9-11, um, I've been watching a lot of documentaries and things, um, and a lot of them have to do with the fires. Um, yeah. And I watched one in particular, I just thought it was really just like you're talking about, it was a colonel, um, a female speaking, that got a lot of people out of the Pentagon during the fire. Oh, wow. And she was just saying, just like you did, she said, I knew I couldn't freak out. I knew I had to be calm. And I like very short and be like, cause people just were scared. They didn't want to leave. And she just said, you need to follow me. You need to come with me. You know, I know you're scared. We need to do this now and we got to get out. And she just kept saying that. And like, I think with Dylan or a lot of kiddos that I've worked with or know um, that, you know, that would be a good strategy. Cause obviously if you're freaking out, <laughs> Like, of course, it's hard not to, 
um, in an emergency, but you know, the more you can keep it together. Um, and I think we experienced that even at the watch, you know, when we had yeah. kids missing and things like that, we tried to keep everybody calm and, you know, work it out and, it, you know, knock on wood, it always worked out. But um, I think that's really smart. It's extremely difficult. Um, it's not an easy thing to do because uh, when these events take place, um, we're all being blindsided by it. Yeah. And, and so the natural tendency when you're full of confusion and chaos um, is to panic to some degree. Um, but the more we stay conscious of that and we remember that when it's taking place, um, the more I panic, the more they're going to be scared and frightened and confused. Um, so let me try and bring as much calm and, and uh, simplicity to this situation as I can to them, mm -hmm. because the sooner I can have them out of the house and safe, then I can, then I can maybe think about some other things. You know, one thing I learned that I did not know in this whole process was the effectiveness of keeping doors and windows closed in the event of a fire. It's, it's true. Uh, fire feeds off of oxygen. And once it's been burning in a room uh, um, for enough of, of time, it's, it's sucked out as much oxygen as it can from there. And it wants to it wants to feed off of more oxygen and it's going to travel itself to areas with more oxygen. Absolutely. I did not even know that. And it, it, as I've learned all of this through this uh, work, you know, if there's a fire downstairs and you close the bedroom door, I, I mean, you can tell us it reduces the amount of time you can stay safely. Tell me if I'm correct in that bedroom for help to arrive. If you can't get out, is that true to say? Sure. With okay. a, with, with a towel uh, underneath the door as well. Got it. Um, okay. Because it's uh, it's moving towards uh, freshly oxygenated rooms. It's going to take the path of least resistance. So the smoke is going to make its way under the door. So putting some towels under there and uh, pillows, it, blankets. It, if you're in a bedroom. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Absolutely. Um, John, so I live right by. Um, it's literally on our street. Um, the Orange County Authority, um, Fire Authority, right? And it's huge. Um, they um, have open houses. So I've taken the boys there like every year since they were kids. One thing that I hear a lot too are you would think that, you know, because you guys are so awesome and in the gear that, you know, the, that people would be excited or not excited, but like more open to if there's a situation like you guys coming in. But there are a lot of individuals and children that, especially our kids, because you're coming in, you're wearing all this gear, the sensory issues, like you know, the smells, you know, the, you know, sounds, all that can actually make someone want to go hide. Um, do you have you experienced that and for our kids are there any suggestions you think it is good to expose them also to you know our first responders and you know have them experience as much as they can to if you're in ever in this situation to understand that this is someone that's here to help you right on that's a you, 
That's a wonderful question you're asking and, mm -hmm. and a topic that you're bringing up. And, and it goes back to the preparation and planning. Um, absolutely. Um, everybody uh, should seek out their nearest firehouse in their community um, and schedule. It doesn't have to be a, a, a planned open house necessarily. You can call, you can stop by there, talk to the local captain and schedule a visit. Um, and sometimes it's better this way um, rather than a, a large group of individuals and mm -hmm. when it's loud and whatnot, but schedule, schedule a visit and go there for, for many reasons. Um, you keyed in on a, on a very important thing is the familiarization of the apparatus that are going to be showing up, the gear that we're wearing. Um, one thing that, uh, one thing I've, I've learned or heard um, quite a bit is uh, let the children, let the, uh, the uh, autistic individuals and the caregivers and the parents, let them know that when the firefighters do come into the house to save them, to help them, to carry them outside, to get them to safety, they're going to most likely, they're going to be sounding like Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. they're they're not gonna they're not gonna sound like uh they're 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 used to people sounding they're gonna sound like darth vader because they have the mask on the respirator and whatnot and, and they're not going to sound as common um so uh to have the local firehouse uh, demonstrate that um in the safety of a of a quiet firehouse and, and environment um a couple times not not even just once but a couple times then if and when the time comes, uh, there'll be some familiarization. They'll know that this isn't a stranger. This isn't, you know, a bad situation. This person is here to help me. I remember them. Um, and, uh, and they can reflect on that. Also, uh, some firehouses, you'll have to check with your local one. Uh, some firehouses have uh, resources, uh, such as window decals mm -hmm. that you can place on the uh, on the windows of the children's rooms that identify to firefighters that okay this is a uh, I believe they call them toddler uh, toddler stickers toddler mm -hmm. toddler find uh, firefighters can identify the specific rooms where children most likely uh, are sleeping or or would be uh, which is beneficial also. Uh, some firehouses, um, they're able to give uh, local local resources um, that folks can use to better prepare their homes. Uh, some of them have smoke alarms um, and that sort. So uh, you touched on a on a on a great thing that everybody needs to consider, and that is visit the local firehouse mm -hmm. and and find out. And for our own personal interests. Find out if that firehouse has been trained mm -hmm. to uh, to deal with um, individuals that are autistic and whatnot. Um, have they been? They have. That's great. Reassuring. More resources possibly. If they haven't been trained, then maybe you can maybe volunteer to give their firefighters, you know, fifteen or twenty minutes on a weekend of discussion, or open up the idea to them and enlighten them. Um, let them know where you live, your address, uh, how many folks are there, uh, that sort of thing. That there's an autistic individual in the home that 
could hide, <clears throat> could hide an emergency, could bolt, could wander, um, and that sort of thing. So that, great, great thing to bring up, Jen. I'm glad you did. Me too. <laughs> Absolutely. And as AB providers, you know, if it's not in our scope of competency, we should seek out information because we're with families all the time, bulk of hours. And I feel very strongly that we need to help families work through and create these individualized plans. <laughs> all right. Thank you, John. It was so thank awesome you. to have you. Jen. You're the best, John. Thank you. Awesome. Thank, thank you for you. inviting John. And um, we'll be back next week. You guys rock. Thanks.